This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. You know, thinking back a couple years ago, Elliot Sadler was very much oh, yeah. not pleased with me at I was, one point. I was there with you for that. Yeah, yeah, you were going to be a big help if something popped I, off. I'm a really fast runner. Yeah, yeah, I could see that in your eyes, too. I was uh, I was looking around me, and I'm like, okay, well, here it comes. I'm getting ready to take my beat down. You're now tuned in to Junior Motorsports Upfront. Now here's your host, Regan Smith and Heath White. Here we are for another episode of Upfront with Regan Smith. Regan, how are you? Are you a little tired? I, I am a little sleepy today. Uh, for not, good reason. Not, for good reason. Not baby-related today, yeah, actually. Not so uh, that's uh, that's positive. Now, I'm sure there's going to be some baby-related sleep issues as well. But, uh, but yeah, had a fun fun trip the other day. Got an opportunity to uh, to head to Nashville and, and do some uh, some PR stuff for, for Bristol Motor Speedway and uh, tied together with one of my uh, one of my passions outside of racing, which is hockey. So uh, neat trip, enjoyable trip. So are you uh, not a, you're not a Predators fan, but you went to the Predators game. You did get to do some cool things. They gave you a jersey. You got to meet Mike Fisher. How did that go? It was uh, it was cool. You know, uh, I, as I said, I, I enjoy hockey. I am a Hurricanes fan first and foremost. The Hurricanes have let me down for the past six going on seven years now. I think with no playoff runs and and just really disappointing teams. They, the the problem with the Hurricanes is they're good enough to make it almost to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So then they don't get a good draft pick. So then they don't improve the team the following year, and, and maybe your draft pick's good, maybe he's a bust. Who knows what's going to happen at that point. And, uh, yeah, so that's been frustrating. But the Predators are really good this year. and uh, Leading their division. Leading their division. Um, they've been playing lights out. they got some really good rookies and, and young talent on the team. And, uh, and on top of that, got to meet Mike Fisher, who I actually followed before he was a Predator. Back in the days when he was in Ottawa, I had him on some fantasy hockey teams, and, and he did a really good job for me back then. Fast forward, he gets traded to uh, Nashville, and uh, I guess that was uh, partially because of his relationship with Carrie Underwood at the time, and and it all kind of fit perfectly. So, you know, kudos to Ottawa for making that trade. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure Mike was pretty happy about that at, right. the, at the time, uh, but but had an opportunity to meet him after the game and and hang out with him and and chat. We've got uh, we both got new baby boys and. His is uh, two days younger than than mine and Megan's, so uh, we we shared stories about uh, how how awesome our our wives are doing raising our kids and Got a uh, common bond there. Uh, we do, yeah. And and Megan even through Twitter at 3 a.m. in the morning had a yeah. conversation with Carrie apparently Carrie that I didn't even know about. So, yeah, and uh, it's it's become such a big deal. It's on cmtnews.com right now. We're reading it this morning. There how, we go. There yeah. we go. Wow. So Megan is also taking advantage of of you going to visit the Predators. I, clearly, yeah. Clear. I'm convinced that she's going to take this show over from us pretty soon. I mean, she was on the show, knocked it out of the That's park true. from what I heard. She and, did well. And from a hospital bed, nonetheless. From a hospital bed 24 hours after giving birth. I mean, she's a trooper. So uh, That's how important Upfront has become it, well, to the Smiths. You got to, you know, you got to strike when you can. And, and she, she sees that opportunity. And now I, you know, I just hope she remembers us as this, as this little media darling career hers takes off skyrockets. I, I hope, yeah as it skyrockets i hope she remembers all us little people that that helped get her there so well regan has had a busy week that's for certain um we had you doing nashville stuff earlier in the weekend before that you came back from your west coast swing in phoenix so let's let's recap the phoenix race it was a good day for for the seven bunch not a great day i'm sure you're going to tell us that you're a little disappointed with your finish um you know you ran as high as second i believe challenged for the lead a couple times but um you know, things things went against y'all towards the end of that race. Yeah, they did. And, and you know, just like the, the previous week at Atlanta or two weeks prior at Atlanta, there was a lot of positives to take from the weekend. We unloaded, uh, had a fast race car 
from the time it hit the racetrack. Tuned on it. The guys did a really nice job. Jason, Allen, all the guys on our team. Led final uh, practice. Led final practice, uh, which partially because we did a mock-up run, but all the other cars around us did as well. And, and we don't typically do that. But with the tire situation at Phoenix, the way it was, uh, you know, we felt like we could get away with, with having a scuffed set of tires in the pits for the race and, and opted to, to continue working on qualifying, which, you know, as we've documented, has been a, been a weak spot for me uh, in, the, in the Xfinity cars here. So, uh, you know, we did that. And... Uh, Man, I was I was pumped up going into the race. We we didn't quite transfer the speed from practice into qualifying like we thought we were gonna, uh, but got the race started and, and knew what I had throughout the the practice sessions. And uh, you know we had to work hard to, to after qualifying eighth to get the track position, get the car up where it had the cleaner air and, and where it needed to be, which is what we knew. Um, and Jason did that. He made made a good call for for two tires at the right time of the race. And you know we were sitting in position there mm -hmm. and uh, came to the the i think it was the second to last restart um we restarted third somebody we came in and topped off of fuel as, yeah. as did all the leaders we were within a fuel window to make it to the end and uh and came in to top off like everybody did took no tires and went back out there and, and restarting third was uh probably not the spot i wanted to be in only because of the car that was in the lead was was somebody without a ton of experience mm -hmm. um obviously a good team but but the driver's still learning and true uh Kind of, kind of knew what the restart was going to be like, and, and tried to snooker him, and mm -hmm. and did until the block was thrown. And uh, he threw a block on you, that's for sure. He definitely threw a block, and he was and prepared. The the fear of damaging your car and costing yourself a race, mm -hmm. um, that weighed into my head more so than the uh, thought of just well, if you're going to block, you're going to go for a ride. So uh, so we opted to be smarter right there. Uh, rewind just a little bit. Coming to the green as I was cleaning the tires off and, and shaking everything up. Um, felt like I had something wrong. It just, something didn't, I didn't know if it was rubber built up on the tires, if it was a flat tire, what I had going on, but but definitely had something that was, was not quite right. And the, the next two or three laps after that, uh, proceeded to try and crash four times in, in two or three laps and, and was convinced I had a tire going down. Uh, you know, I think we found we had a slow leak mm -hmm. after the fact on the right front. And, and had we been able to keep running that particular run, probably would have been fine. It would have built there and, and until another caution came out, we would have been in trouble, you know, obviously. But uh, nonetheless, it was uh, it was the point where we lost our track position and never really gained it back. We, we restarted probably 15th or 16th, 16th. I'd say. 16th and, and got up to as high as 8th or 7th at one point, and we just – our car got tight at the end and, and in traffic. You know, as I said, we needed the clean air. We were mm -hmm. set up for clean air. And, uh, you know, disappointing end to it. The last 50 laps, it all kind of went – all kind of went from – being really good, looking yep. like it was going to be another solid top three day to, uh-oh, here here we go. And uh, it, you never want that to happen. You always want to want to close deals, and, and you want to, you know, finish better than where you've run or finish where you've run. And, and that was disappointing. But as I said, the, the takeaways from the weekend are the car was fast again. Um, You're unloading Probably well. we're unloading very extremely well. well. And, uh, you know, I think that we're, we're definitely getting that chemistry down. Our practices are going really smooth. We're making good adjustments. The the communication is it, it. It feels like we're 30 races into the season already with the communication and, and how everybody's, you know, working together. So, uh, I've, I'm excited about that. And uh, you know, each week we get to the racetrack. It's I haven't been. I don't want to say I, I always love going to a racetrack, but it's a different feeling for me going to the racetracks this year because I'm I'm excited to see what my car is going to drive like because I I know how good they've been so far this year. And it's like, all right, let's get there. Let's get on the racetrack. Let's see what the first change is going to do. Let's see what we can learn today. And, and 
let's get into the race and see what happens. So uh, I, I got that same same feeling going into this weekend. Uh, you know, ninth place finish didn't didn't cut any of our momentum. Uh, we're we're still very early in the season, and uh, we're gonna keep uh, keep after it. First name Davis, you've been quiet. What's wrong? Our producer, first That's name I'm Davis. I'm just listening. I know what's wrong. With what? Him. Well, he's well, mad because we were gonna document his his path to junior motorsports before the oh show. Oh yeah, we forgot about that. And we didn't do that. Yeah, we no, forgot. I don't so he's a, he's highly offended. That doesn't matter to me. I'm just listening. I'm are like we listening. gonna have to? Are we gonna have to go to HR after this? <laughs> no. Okay. No. I was hoping not. First name says he's learning a lot through your podcast. Really? Now I he's I now first name came to us. As tri you know, you've done some work in NASCAR, but you're mm -hmm. a traditional, you know, you know stick and ball sport kind of guy. Yeah. Um, so so he's getting a little up to speed on NASCAR and, and Regan. As helping. a stick and ball sport kind of guy, let's. This is the big question here, and and your answer to this question could steer the direction of this show for weeks to come. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. Yeah. Okay. Just, just answer yeah. it truthfully. Yeah. Are race car drivers athletes? Yes. Good answer. We'll just leave it at that. It's just some some girl. When I first got this job, some girl that I'm not very fond of. Here, hold on. <laughs> now I'm seeing a pattern with first name <laughs> of giving the answer and, and just leave it there. He, we're happy with what he right. said. It's a good answer. You and don't need to expand. But then he starts going, and we're gonna <laughs> see where it goes now. So don't so dig the a hole. girl. The girl before you got this job texted me and like, oh, congratulations, blah blah blah. Are you gonna get back into real sports soon? Oh, and I got uh, super offended. I was like, what are you talking about? This is a real sport. And uh, I just have no interest in talking to that girl ever again. Now, see, he's actually putting himself up on a pedestal because if, if they don't like what you like, yeah, you, you have no, no use to talk I to them anymore. You know what? Most of the people that say that race car drivers – now, I'm a little biased. I've been around the sport for a while. As, as I am, too. And, that, and, and I asked it jokingly, but at the same time, <laughs> I'm curious to hear somebody who's been around right. other sports what their thoughts are. But what most people don't realize when people say that race car drivers aren't athletes, a lot of times that is someone that's not familiar with the sport. You know, Very someone true. that may be a little naive as to what you guys go through on a given basis. Now, tracks are different, temperatures are different, but I mean, you're sitting in a race car in a you know at times 135 degree cockpit. That's the right word. We figured that out a we couple did, weeks uh, ago. Good. See, we're learning more on this show every week. So. You know, and you're dealing with you're dealing with G forces. You're dealing with just you know wear and tear. And I'll say this: as someone that's done your PR, I've seen y'all get out of these cars after the race, and you're drenched. Yeah, I mean, you and given I sweat a lot, anyways. It's uh, Regan's a sweater. I am did. very much a sweater. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> some guys that get out and they're exhausted, but they're dry. Yeah, they, they haven't even sweated or anything like that, and they're tired. I'm like, well, you don't look tired. They're like, oh, I'm I'm beat. I'm wore out. I get out and I'm tired and I'm wore out and I'm drenched head to toe. I look like I just ran through a shower True. and got out of a race car. <laughs> and it, my whole life I've been a sweater. I don't. I don't know how to fix it. I mean, it just you sweat in like nervous situations too. Like when you were about to ask Megan to marry you, were you were you sweating profusely? No, it was like 35 degrees out that day, and we were out <laughs> on the beach. It was really cold, so that helped me out there just a little bit. But I, you know, there's some situations occasionally where if I'm not comfortable with what's going on, if let's say, and not that I've been in this situation, but this would be one I'd probably sweat. If I'm in a boardroom in front of 10 CEOs and I got to stand up and talk to them hypothetically. Yeah, I'll probably start, you know, I'll have a little have a little paper towel on my hand and do the old forehead dab just to make sure we're good. I got I actually got a good buddy who carries around a handkerchief and you think, Oh, a handkerchief, yeah, use it, blow your nose, whatever, yeah. which yeah, to each his own. I think handkerchief's kinda nasty, but that's just me. Yeah, it's old and school, man. I know it's old school. It's I just classy. I know, but you keep you keep using I, the same one over I and over see again. Where it, you're going. it gets a little weird for me. But so he carries the handkerchief around and it's a sweat. Yeah, he dabs a sweat away with that, and it's uh, you hear him talk about it. It's pretty funny. So, uh, and, and he's a good friend. So he, if he listens to this, then 
he'll know who I'm talking about. And speaking of sweating, we've got our uh, Joe Mattis, our VP of licensing and marketing. He eats. I've been out to eat with him before, oh and we've boy. eaten wings. And he'll he gets the hottest wings, and he literally <laughs> this is no joke. He'll sweat. He'll eat these things, and he'll be sweating. I'm like Mattis, are you all right? He's he's keep he's digging. He's perfectly fine. Man, it, it, and Mattis is getting up there in age a little bit. He's got to worry about like you know hearts and stuff like that That's as true. he starts eating that, that hot stuff. Uh, maybe that could be. Maybe he's got it figured out though. Maybe it's kind of. Maybe it's doing the uh, having the opposite effect of what you think. It's making him younger. Yes. It's it's That's digressing his age. That's the fountain of life is chicken wings. Fountain of youth. If the or fountain <laughs> of youth. If the fountain of youth is chicken wings, I'm gonna live forever. We're good. I All love right. it. So we have gotten sidetracked again. I'm gonna bring us back. First thing, why don't you tell us uh, tell Regan what Michael Waltrip predicted for him this weekend or this past weekend. Well during practice Friday afternoon, the cars were ready to make the first uh, run. And y'all were coming up, and the Exalta 7 came up on the broadcast screen, and Michael Waltrip just starts diving in, talking about how much he's enjoyed watching you racing last year when you finished second and how how good of a start he thought you got out to so far this season and actually predicted you to win the championship this year. Ooh. there. Listen, there's a reason why Michael is probably my favorite announcer <laughs> on the circuit. Starting and now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he clearly just – I understand that now, why, why I've always felt that way and uh, – no, you know, in all seriousness, I I appreciate him saying that, and uh, and I that's wasn't aware of that until right before the show we were discussing it. That's always the and goal. That well, that is the goal, and and as a team, we want other teams to take note. This is going to sound crazy, but one of the ways that we can judge ourselves with our competition is if you're parked next to somebody. Let's say you're parked next to to Kevin Harvick, or, and and he's always going to have our our car up on his board. We've got boards that we can watch and and highlight certain cars mm. so that we can look at their lap track through practice. Yeah, and as you're parked next to each other, you can see who the other guy has highlighted on his boards. So let's say I'm, I'm parked next to Kyle Busch. Well, if you've got the seven car highlighted on his screen, that's, you know, that's a form of flattery because obviously they're paying attention to what you're doing and, and how your car is. And, and announcers and, and guys like that talking like that, that's stuff that, that we work towards. Now, does that help us win a championship? Absolutely not. But does that make us feel like, okay, we're, we're doing the right things and, and we've obviously got the speed that people are taking notice and, and saying stuff like that, uh, then then that's a good thing. Now it's, you know, we got 30 more races or... You're not good with sorry, math. 29 more there races. You, there you go. I'm not, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not good with no sleep. It's not that's that I'm right. great with math. It's the no sleep that gets me. I was me. wondering when he was going to use that as an excuse. As soon as I could. Yeah. could. <laughs> but but that's, you know, we got 29 races left to go out and, and or 28 to go out and do our jobs and... and make that prediction come true but uh, I'd, I'd love to make Michael the smartest guy at the end of the year if they could play that back come uh, homestead time and he say I told you guys at Phoenix that the seven car was going to win it then then I'll have done my part it's uh it's a natural progression you finished third in the points with your first year with us last year you finished second this year we're shooting for first Hey, I mean, it just seems like it's in the numbers. We'll go with it. Uh, call Vegas. All you guys, call your bookies now. And, and Heath just told you, 3-2-1, it's got to happen that hey, way. I will say this. I don't want to toot my own horn here, but I believe it was our second. But you're gonna. I'm we need to. sound effects. Yeah, Can we do. You, if we had like a... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just do it. Davis, just <laughs> mouth <laughs> it. <laughs> There's our soundboard, ladies oh and gentlemen. Anyway, I, yeah, I was going somewhere with this. I'm tooting my own horn by saying I did predict the race winner at Atlanta. And it wasn't you. I'm sorry. I know this is your podcast. How are you trying to help me? How, how am I supposed to feel good about this? I, don't, right I, I predicted you to run second. 
how what are you predicting for me for this weekend? Uh, see, I don't know. We're gonna get to that in a second. Okay, Let's stay on okay. Phoenix. We'll we'll get on we'll get on with that. Later. Let's stay on Phoenix because I want Regan's opinion. We have two uh, former Junior Motorsports drivers who had a little bit of a I don't know what you call it uh, disagreement at Phoenix, and it would be Alex Bowman who drove for us last year on on a couple of occasions, and Danica Patrick who was with us for a couple years. Um, apparently they they didn't see eye to eye. Uh, let me let me try to set this up for you, Regan. Because I know you don't know the entire story. Um, I know enough of it to be dangerous. Okay, that's, that's about it. That's all we want. Well, let's let's recap here. Apparently, Alex was racing Danica a little hard, not knowing that she was still on the lead lap in the cup race. Uh, Alex was, I think, two laps down, raced her pretty hard. Um, and then I guess they had words after the race. And Danica told him she was going to uh, kick him somewhere. Boing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> was that a Oh boy, we <laughs> do, we do need a soundboard because I'm not sure if that was a kicking <laughs> noise or if that was something that's completely crazy. different. <laughs> <laughs> the first sound effect that came to my head. Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay. Anyway, so uh, that. D- <laughs> <laughs> Where are we going with this? Oh, do I need to start man. this over? No, just <laughs> just get, we yeah. we got this. Yeah. So Danica threatened to kick Alex in the. Uh, Nether region, I guess that would yeah, be a good we'll go word. That. Is that politically correct? Or as our uh, rated? <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, Alex went to talk to her after the race. I guess she told him, um, and this is based on what Alex put on Twitter, that she was gonna, you know, kick him there. Alex took to Twitter, which I will tell you, as a as a someone that's active in the social world, you really don't want to vent on Twitter. That's not necessarily the best no, thing. No, venting on Twitter is bad. Because yeah. what happens is then uh, the race fans either come to your aid or decide to turn against you. And in Alex's case, I believe they turned against him. So Regan. I want your take on this because have you ever been threatened by another race car driver? Have I ever been threatened? Um, I don't know that I've had fingers pointed at me. Uh, um, who did that? I, that was me and Danica <laughs> years back. And I think that was Bristol. There, Night you know, race, right? And funny enough, behind that story, um, at the time, kind of saw maybe I had a future with Junior Motorsports. At, at the time, we didn't know it was going to be full-time. It was just going to be doing some races here and there. And and I don't know if she knew that at the time or not. And I tried to explain to her when I talked to her. I'm like, look, you're the last person I wanted to wreck. Right. You know, today with with everything that was going on and, and things like that within my career and her getting ready to move to Cup full time and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, there was there was a little background story that I'm like, I really, really didn't want to wreck you. And it really wasn't intentional. But had that one, um, you know, thinking back a couple years ago, Elliot Sadler was – very much oh, yeah. not pleased with me I at was one th- point. I was there with you for that. Yeah, yeah. You were going to be a big help if something popped I, off. I'm a really fast runner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I could see that in your eyes, too. I was uh, I was looking around me, and I'm like, okay, well, here it comes. I'm getting ready to take my beat down, you know. And, and Elliot's, He's for, a big guy. for those who have never seen him in person, you know, TV doesn't do justice for how big of a guy Elliot is. He's a big dude. And uh, I, I had a plan in my head if he started swinging at me, I was just going to go as close into his body as I could because I figured he couldn't get leverage to make it hurt quite as bad that way. I don't know if that would have worked or not. But At uh, least you were thinking through it. Yeah, cooler heads prevailed, fortunately, and uh, and and it uh, it didn't turn into anything too, I, I too think, drastic. I think the reason why that escalated, and you and Sadler have not really had issues before that. No, um, we, we've always raced each other I pretty clean. I think there was some yeah. money on the line. There was some money was on the line. It was a dash for cash race. Yeah, and yeah. it was, uh, you know, there was, there was a lot going on there. So uh, definitely can understand where it came from and and uh you know me and him talked about it and and discussed where the where the anger came from and i got it totally and and uh you know you move on from it and and continue to race each other hard i mean we still race each other hard uh but we race each other hard and and try to keep it as clean as possible and i remember you know danica's may have been a threat 
But I think we saw this in action. Was it last year? No, two years ago at Richmond with Nelson PK and Brian, <laughs> Brian Scott. Oh. Remember that was like the kick hurled around the world. Well, the good news is, is since then, Brian, Brian Scott has had a baby. So, so we good. know that everything works still, <laughs> so he's good there. That uh, That's the good news. Uh, you know, it, and again, not knowing the entire situation, I believe that what what caused that to happen was, was Bowman was a lap or two down, mm-hmm. two laps down, I think mm-hmm. he said, and, and Danica was on the lead lap, and, and Alex raced him, raced her extremely hard, and uh, and she felt like probably should have been a little more courteous at that point in the race, and, and I don't know if it ultimately cost her a lap or if the caution came out or how things played out there, um, but Danica is a very uh, fiery competitor, and uh, I have no doubt in my mind that she was going to go right up to him after the race and, and tell him exactly uh, what she thought, or if he went up to her, that was probably not the smartest thing to do. I don't know who, yeah, I'm who not approached sure how to or, or yeah. how that all played out, but uh, there's there's nothing more frustrating as a driver than being in a situation where you know you're on a lead lap and a car that's either one or more laps down is costing you lap time and is holding you up. And, and a place like Phoenix, you know, even if they move low to let you go, the outside mm-hmm. groove is not the best there. It did work in in three and four on Sunday, as we saw in the race. They were able to start moving up a little bit. But, you know, it's it's very frustrating. You know your speed's getting checked up. You know it's going to take you two or three laps to just get that momentum built and get your lap time back down. And, and you don't understand always why that car – is doing what they're doing and even the the more aggravating thing is if a car points you by and says oh go to the bottom mm-hmm. you know pass me and then they run your door and and that happens a lot in the Xfinity series because you get on somebody's door and, and I don't care if they're going 20 mile an hour quicker than you you're going to slow them down and choke their car off to the point where they're the same speed as you and you know I've been in situations where that's happened and it's cost me two or three spots because now guys from behind us go go three wide yeah, and the and door the door opens yeah the yeah. door opens up for them and and they're able to keep their momentum up and and it's it's very frustrating as a driver um and you know you get to see hand signals sometimes to to explain that and sometimes you get talked to after the race and uh and whatever uh, and whatever it, comments yeah. made made an assortment of options for drivers in those situations I will say with that with that being said I don't know that in that circumstance, probably a lot of people didn't know what took place right, right on the racetrack, and and as I didn't. And now we do because here's Alex when putting you jump it on, on Twitter, Twitter and put it on there. And, yeah, and, Fox, and I have it on the computer right here. Fox Sports, uh, FoxSports.com has an article written about it now. So yeah. Twitter is your friend. Sometimes not, no, not so much. Twitter is is great, and sometimes Twitter is scary. Mm. And uh, you know, we'll see what I, I I highly doubt we see anything more made of it uh, following following this week, but uh, you never know. And speaking of Twitter, this is a good segue for our Twitter portion. Our We're almost like we actually are starting to make this show a little like yeah. like, like we've got a structure and yeah, um, we act like we, we weekly kind of talk together. about something. Yeah, We're but yes, if you can't hey, if you can't make it, fake it, right? That's, That's right. Theory, so. Fake it till you make it. That's <laughs> I like it. So tying this back to Twitter um, brings us to our Twitter questions and first name. Uh, first name and Regan went ahead and pulled some some Twitter questions for us that we're going to ask Regan to have him expand upon. So we're talking about short track at Phoenix, and you've seen, and I think leading into this question, I think Harvick's really, really good at this. I've seen you do it, uh, but I know Harvick specifically since he's been at the front a lot, is u- utilizing other lap down cars uh, as a pick, so to speak, and to you know either block a charge of a car coming behind you or to just screw them up in your tire traps in the process. So explain explain how, as a driver, you guys use that to your advantage and when someone uses it against you, how frustrating that can be. Yeah, well, and and as we discussed previously just a second ago, it, it's frustrating when a lap car gets in your way, whether it's being a, a pick set by another competitor mm-hmm. or you setting a pick. It, it, there's nothing more frustrating than that. And uh, 
Harvick is one of the best at getting through lap traffic. He's he picks his spots, he completes his passes, keeps his momentum up. Uh, myself last weekend, I struggled with the lap cars. I really struggled bad to, and and some weeks you just catch him in the wrong spot. Some weeks you catch him in the right spot, and and it looks great. Uh, for whatever reason, last week, though, I just didn't feel like I could ever get by guys cleanly and, and keep my momentum rolling and, and do what I needed to do. And, uh, yeah, that's absolutely for the guys behind me at that point when they see that happen, and that's strategic for them because they know they're going to get ready to make a move mm -hmm. on me, and they're calculating the move. Uh, there's other times where you might be racing door-to-door -door with a guy and you see a lap car up there. You know you're going to have the opportunity to pin him behind that lap car assuming that lap car goes the direction that, that you think he's going to go. And that's the other element to it is just don't we, know. We don't know yeah. sometimes. <laughs> there was, I mean, I've had guys this year that were down almost on the white line down the straightaway end up up on the wall in front of me, and I've been on the brakes to keep from just cleaning us all out. And yeah. I'm like, where did that come from? Yeah. You know, how did that just happen? So uh, there's a lot of strategy behind that. And, uh, you know, as we've seen, some of the guys we catch pretty quick and, and have to make evasive moves pretty quick and, and – rather they're you know rather they're learning or having an issue maybe they knock the fender off their car or having a bad day or something um you gotta you gotta try and use that to your advantage and and definitely last week from my standpoint that was that was an area that needed work on it and, and we highlighted that after the race so is that that kind of a situation where a lap car will take away your line or does it kind of control how you get on and off the throttle through the corner it's not that they take away your line because you know that you're going to have to adjust for them um you try to plan ahead and, and see which line they ran the three or four laps as you were catching them um, it, it's just a situation where it might it might just be circumstance that you catch them coming off the corner and they're running the outside groove and you got to try and pin it to the bottom and it just chokes your motor off. You kill the momentum. It, there's there's a lot of different scenarios of how it can play out and how it can uh, how it can affect you. And and sometimes you think, oh, okay, they're running the bottom. I'm going to go up high. You watch them go in out of your, the corner of your eye and they get loose and you know you got to go up higher to stay away from them, and all of a sudden the guy that's one car back might dive bomb underneath you or, or vice versa. You might be that guy that's a car length back that can put those two cars three wide because the lap car made a mistake. Um, and and then then there's the occasions where the it's just you and you make a mistake and cost he yourself a spot. He so admitted it. I, I, I no, will admit it. <laughs> I will ad I will fully admit okay. it because I I've made many mistakes in lap traffic and uh, you know as I said I had a terrible week last week in lap traffic so hopefully uh, hopefully old bird dog doesn't listen to this and uh, and he doesn't call me out on it anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, we're gonna keep on Phoenix here because bird you dogs Jason Burdett by the way. Oh, just is that that's good to know. I, bird yeah. dog. I acted there. I, I was trying to be cool and I'm like, oh yeah, I know who that is, yeah. but I'm like, all right. But you didn't. Know. I did. I could see the look in your eyes. But now I do. Bird I could dog. see. I could see it from across Can the studio. Do you here. mind to tell? You mind telling us, bird dog? He he's had that nickname prior to coming here and. Okay. You know, I don't know. He's just he's been on it this year. So it's, it's bird dogs are on it. You know, they they go to get the. And they go to get the stuff. And, and Bird Dog's on a high this week anyways because he's little, his little his little boy won a race. I am glad you brought that up because I did want to touch on that, and, and we'll we get back to brought Twitter him in just here. a second. We should have brought him in here to talk about it. Well, we're going we're gonna to wait till he gets his first crew chief and win to do that okay. still. But uh, but his, his son, Ethan, uh, won his first quarter midget race in Nashville. It was a big race. It was a, a I want to say, not a national race, but a, uh, a regional race, which brings in guys from, you know, probably, heck, I don't even know, 10 states eight states i'd have to see their entry list to know for sure a lot of competitors a lot of competitors and and a higher level of competitors and he went ahead and he's a big race hunter he just said i'm gonna wait and i'm gonna win my first one at this big race all the way in nashville and uh, they got rained out on saturday so jason uh, couldn't couldn't have been there saturday right. and, and couldn't get there sunday as well but i guess they got videos of it so we're gonna watch the videos on the airplane of, of him winning his first race and uh 
sounds like you did a did a hell of a job and uh i know it's been uh, i've been getting to kind of live vicariously through jason on that and, and experiencing what it's like having a kid who's starting off racing since down the road i, I could potentially have, have that as uh, as something in our future and uh you know pretty cool for ethan we haven't even talked about Rhett this episode wow he he's around still okay. yeah he's there He's Is he you going know, fast he, yet? What he, if he doesn't want to be a race car driver? I don't know how fast he's going. <laughs> he uh, he eats, sleeps, and poops. Eats, sleeps, and poops. That's and all redo. babies need to do. Does everything That's, fast. Yeah. It, it, uh, getting, getting chubby? I take that back. He eats, sleeps, lets his diaper get changed. Then after the diaper's changed, he poops. <laughs> the kid loves a clean diaper to poop in. So. He's already tormenting you. Well, I mean, his, his mother's got to deal with more of that than I do. But, yeah. You were home on Sunday. You did you did watch the cup race, so that's a lot of our Twitter questions are based on the cup race. Um, so we saw Dale Jr. lose a – or cut a right rear um, during the cup race, and uh, they had a bit of a fire there under the, w the wheel well. So we wanted you, if you don't mind, your expertise, to expand on that and tell, tell the fans why that was a situation where Dale was not able to continue the race even though it was just uh, basically a, a flat right rear. Yeah, there was there was a couple things that happened there. And so some rear end damage. Yeah, the, when that right rear let go, and and I can't tell you how odd it is to see right rears blow like that. It, it is not something that we're we're accustomed to seeing. Typically, it's a right front or mm -hmm. a different area of the car, and and um, you know, obviously, guys were working the right rears pretty hard. I know he was extremely loose at the time. I was scanning him during the race on uh, on one of the NASCAR apps there, and uh, and and heard him saying how loose he was throughout the course of that run. So. I'm sure the tire was getting heated up, buzzing the tire. Sounds like they were having beads actually break on the tires, um, which is the inner inner side of the tire that connects it to the actual rim itself. Okay. Um, and that's where the heat gets to to the point where it causes those to bust and, and pop. Well, when that tire went, it exploded. I mean, it was it was like a cannon going off, and and it tore all the sheet metal up around that area of the race car. So I'm going to assume, and, and without actually talking to to Greg Ives or anybody that works on the car. Um, will make the fair assumption that it tore all the quarter panel, all the crush panels that separate the, the fuel cell area as well as the, the undercarriage of the car. It tore all that stuff apart. Then he hit the wall on top of that um, after it blew because of the location on the track where it blew. And uh, as they were dragging it in, or as I think he drove it back and mm -hmm. parked it on pit road, there was a fire. Well, the fire was a brake fire. It, it must have knocked off a brake line. So when those tires blow and that, that tire is wrapping around like that, it's, it's nothing more than shrapnel at that point. Um, in terms of what the damage that it does to the car. And, and as it was whipping around in there, it obviously ripped the brake line apart and, and created a fire. And uh, by the time the, the fire guys were able to get to the car and, and put a fire extinguisher on it and put the fire out, which brake fires are the toughest to put out. That's mm -hmm. the, you know, we see things burning slowly, and it seems like the fire crews can't ever get it out. That's a lot of times what it is. And uh, it, it had set off the fire bottle system. And the fire bottle system, and, and I believe we have them, at this point in the fuel cell, underneath the back of the car, around the rear end housing area, and in the driver cockpit, and then there's also one. There we go, driver cockpit, cockpit again. <laughs> cockpit yep. and bird dog. That's twice. That's my two turns. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then there's another one up in the front of the car, uh, kind of where the carburetor, the race car, would sit right underneath the hood. Okay. Um, but it's connected to the, to the firewall. Well, they've all got uh, heat sensors in them now, and, and they set themselves off when they get to a certain temperature. Uh, because the driver can't always pull the pin. Sometimes mm -hmm. we're trying to get out quick, and, and we don't have a chance to pull that pin and, and set those off. His obviously went off because of the fire, and per NASCAR, you have to have a fire bottle, and you got to have the fire suppression system in the car, and, and I think that you know at that point they said, okay, the car's torn up pretty bad. We're not going to have enough time to get the fire system re rebooted and, and get it to where they're happy so we can go back out there, and, and our day's done at this point. 
That was a long-winded answer. There was a lot in there. That was a good answer. I hope it's all right because there's parts of it that I'm a little shaky on because I I, I, I got to be honest. As long as I know where that pin is, I don't study where all the all the extinguishers are around the car and, and how they all work. But uh, that's something that we've constantly been evolving and, and updating and, and changing, and, and we've learned a lot over mm -hmm. the years about how we want that to, to work to put the fire out the best you know that it can. And at that point, like if you're actually pulling the pin yourself, you're on your way out the out the window. You hope you are, yeah. And you know, it's uh, fire is one thing that drivers. I, I'll say this: fire is something that drivers don't like talking about. Yeah. We don't like thinking about it. It's scary. Um, we're fortunate that other people are are paying more attention to that than we are because it is that is something that none of us are ever want to be in a situation where we need to use those systems. And uh, you know, I know he got out pretty quick on Sunday, and and it wasn't anything up in up in the in the driver compartment or anything like that that he had to worry about. But uh, it, it definitely, if, if we're in a situation where we're pulling that pin, um, it's probably not a happy situation. So we're going to stay on Phoenix here for just a few more minutes because I want to touch on two more things. Number one, we did an appearance on Saturday morning. Do you remember that? We did an appearance. I do. I do. We did an appearance for the track through our partner, Exalta. Um, we took Regan over to, uh, I think it was a, a roll bar display, and they had breakfast for some of the fans, so you did a QA. and a On our way back in, we needed a needle to deflate Heath's head so he could get through the tunnel. Whoa, hang on. After what happened. No, yeah. no, we met a fan, first name. We met a fan of Junior Motorsports up front. Not just the Dale Junior and Junior Motorsports It was fan, specifically called out up front. Up front. I love the up front podcast. That was the exact quote, I believe, is I love the podcast up front. Keep doing it. So we joked that in addition to first first name's mom listening to the show, um, that now we have two fans. Our biggest two. Fan. There we go. And we're growing rapidly. So we didn't catch her name, but we very much appreciate you listening and you, you calling us out um, on the road that you appreciate Regan's uh, insight. Heath, Heath was on cloud nine the rest of the day. You know, he was frustrated. He was at the track and had to had to actually travel and couldn't have his plush office job anymore as an executive and. And uh, that, that made it all worthwhile for him to go all the way to Phoenix. It was just like the old days. It, it was like the old days. You know, we I, got didn't, I, didn't, I didn't yell as much, though. No, you didn't. But you did sign some autographs after afterwards, which leads me to our next Twitter question. What is – now, let's keep this G, Let's keep this PG-13. <laughs> what is the strangest thing a fan has asked you to autograph? Because we've so heard a lot of different – This is a two-part answer for okay. me. Part and, one. And part one of it would be that it was a thong. Okay. The thong was not currently on somebody. Oh, it was handed to you. It was handed to me. I wonder yeah. if it was clean. Now, the part that I can't remember, and I'm, I, we're going to have to confirm this because it was somebody's mother that actually works for this company now. Uh-oh. So I want to <laughs> confirm, that, I wanna confirm that it actually on? happened. I'm pretty sure, but I don't want to <laughs> call that person out until I've confirmed that it was them. So so next week on Dirty Mole Radio, we'll find out whose thong I actually uh, – We're going to get to the bottom of this. Whose thong I actually signed. <laughs> and But until I say that, I want to make sure I'm right because that's – that's a pretty big accusation to make. It's true. And and uh, we don't sign thongs very often, do we? Uh, I, it was the first and last to this <laughs> date that I've signed, as far as I know. So yeah. Don't forget to send your thongs in to Junior Motorsports and Regan will sign. The best it. part is though, if, if I'm if I'm accurate on my uh, remembering of the story, and it was kind of a little bit of like a ha ha gotcha type thing. Right. Um, but I didn't know the lady at the time when it got handed to me. I didn't know until after I'd already signed it who she was. And then she says, oh, by the way, I'm so-and-so. And I said, oh, okay, now it all makes sense, and uh, we got a good chuckle out of it. That, that is entertaining. I, I would hope I hope it wasn't like a black thong because typically we give you black Sharpies, and then that would pose a problem. Well, this was pre-Junior Motorsports days. This, was, uh, th this goes years and years back. This was probably 
man, it had to have been oh oh seven maybe mm. quite a while back. It yeah. stuck with me that long. I can see it scarred you. Yeah, well, I mean, it 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 was it caught me off guard. It definitely did. All right. Anyway, that was inter- was that what's the strangest thing you've ever signed, Heath? I've I've never really signed. Well, I did sign. Actually, this is I'll tell this story. This is I shouldn't even tell this story. <laughs> this is gonna be great. <laughs> this is so bad. If you start off by saying I shouldn't tell this story, that well, means you have to tell the story. Well, because I've had you know. I've been teased a lot about this because it was caught on, not video, but Tyler, he was at this appearance with me and made sure that he took a picture of this. But I will say, I'm about to t- tell you the story, but Tyler has signed way more autographs than I ever have. <laughs> so uh, Just last week alone. Right. Yeah. This was back in our Cole Witt days when Cole Witt was with the team and he was driving the 88 car for us. We did an appearance for, I think on behalf of Hellman's, at a Kentucky area, area Walmart. So uh, a gentleman had showed up to get Cole's autograph, obviously didn't care about me, which is fine. Uh, <laughs> he, he had a picture of Cole signing at a, our merchandise hauler from earlier in the year. So he had taken a picture of Cole. Well, guess who was in the background running the autograph session, doing his job, you know, with his head down? That would be me. So he comes up to me with this little, you know, three-by-five picture. He's like, hey, hey, man, is this you in the background? He hands me this picture, and I'm like, oh, God. I'm like, yeah, that's me. He's like, will you sign it? And I said, just so, you, just to be aware, sir, I am the PR guy. You know, you still want so me to sign it. So you prefaced it with that. Yeah, as as the PR guy, I'm going to ruin this picture because Cole had signed it. Like, it was a nice little picture. I said, if I sign this, I'm going to ruin it for you. And he said, no, no, it's okay. I want you to sign it. If that's you, I want you to sign it. So I signed it. And then Tyler, Tyler's all over it, taking pictures, laughing. Ah. I mean, you walked into it at that point. I did. Especially if Tyler was with you, you knew it was coming. But you don't want to be me. If some guy asks for an autograph, I just want to preface it by saying, when I sign this, this picture is going to lose a lot of value. If you're okay with that, I will sign it. <laughs> Superstar Heath White. Thank you. Now he's an executive. That's my one and only. Can't believe you story. signed an autograph. That's awesome. Now he's an first executive. First name. Your that time's coming. Job. First name. We're taking first name to the track here, so his time's coming too. We're taking. Wh- when's this happening? Bristol. Oh. Bristol. I'm taking him up on race day, Ooh, Regan. Got an easy one too, huh? Mm-hmm. And I say that sarcastically. That's probably the toughest one of the year. I'm excited about. it. I love Bristol. He came to me so early. So going on race day. So let me hold on. Let's uh, let's pick through this just a little bit. Basically, Heath doesn't want to drive all the way to Bristol. He wants somebody to drive him to Bristol because he's an executive now, and uh, you got you oh. threw the short stick on that. I'd make him <laughs> drive it. First name, we're going to see how good you are if you can get him to drive you all the way up there. I don't know. Have I you traveled to Bristol before? Yeah. So you know, 421, 321? Mm-hmm. Okay. My family's from around there. All right, well, good. Yeah, he he was adamant at the end of the year. He's like, hey, I want to go as many races as possible. And I said, this well, is there a we go. good opportunity. Bristol's the first one. I'm ready. I'm excited. We Put drive. me in, coach. It Put me in. <laughs> well, it makes it easier when we drive. We drive to Bristol. We yeah. don't fly to Bristol. Yeah. So that makes it – saves us a little bit of money, first thing. But anyways, we got on Bristol. We got on me signing. Now we're going to go back to California, finish up our Twitter questions, and take us out here. So uh, when we go to the track this weekend in California, one of the Twitter questions was how similar as a team, um, our three-car team at Junior Motorsports, how similar are those setups? When you get to the track, and like Chase, you, and Kevin this weekend, are your setups the same across the board, or is yours kind of custom tailored to you? Do you figure that out in practice? How does that process work? Well, that's a good question, and that's something I think every team with multiple cars always struggles as to what the, the right way to do that is. Um, generally speaking, we show up, and, and we know what each other has. We all have the capabilities to get to where the other car is if we want to, if, if one car is just really good in practice, and, and we got to find a way to get their speed or, or – and match up do whatever we got to do 
Um, but generally speaking, the, the crew chiefs kind of have their own say as to what they put in their race cars and, and what they want in their race cars. And, uh, you know, that's that's at their their discretion to, to do that. Now, as I say that, they've also got the ability to, to see what the other crew chiefs have and, and talk to each other and communicate and work to each other. And, and all three crew chiefs do that. And um, some weeks we end up identical when it comes time to race. Some weeks we all end up a little different. Every driver is different. Every driver has different characteristics. And, and that's the other element to it is, um, my team knows my characteristics. Maybe I charge the corner too hard at, at one track, or maybe I use too much throttle on exit at one track and, and don't, don't do the same thing that the other guys do. They know those tendencies, and they try to build a setup around those tendencies, and they look at past notes and past history and, and database from, from other years and, and say, okay, this is what we fought this time at the racetrack, and we're going to start with this same baseline, but then we're going to change this spring on our car because it's going to fix this area, or we're going to change this air pressure or bar or whatever it may be that they have to change uh, to, to tailor to that and, and make it look the way that they want to make it look in their in their computers and what they do before they get there. So, uh, yeah, it, that's, a, that's a good question. That's one that, uh, as I said, I've, I've been at other places before, and, and there's been theories of everybody go completely different, and we'll see who ends up the best, and, and then we'll all migrate that direction. And I've been at places where everybody goes the same, and, and they go their own direction from there on. Mm -hmm. and, and they can compare notes, sit down, and say, hey, we did this, 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 and this. And it did this for us. It didn't do that for us. And, and they can all kind of mesh their notes together. Um, sometimes that's tough because some, some driver's definition of loose is different than another driver's. Right. What might be a two loose on a 10 scale to me might be a four loose to somebody else or, or might be a one loose to another guy. Everybody's got their own tendencies in, in that race car and, and you definitely have to work to the work to those tendencies well those are some great great questions so thanks thank you twitter folks for sending those in twitter was on fire this weekend. it really was and and keep them coming because we like to uh we like to put first name to work and have him dig through um some of these twitter questions and bring your mentions are pretty the most relevant oh I, I have no doubt so that's at Regan Smith. You can send your questions to that or at Junior Motorsports. Actually, we have a Dirty Mo handle, don't we? We do, we do have, a have Dirty Mo. Mo. You can send them to that, too. What yeah. is that at Dirty Mo, Dirty Mo Radio? at Dirty Mo Radio. All right, there you have it. So send them in, and we'll, we'll try to get them knocked out for you. So we go from the short track at Phoenix. Even though it's a mile, we still call it a short track. Now we're heading to two miles at Fontana. Big sweeping corners, four sometimes, well, I'd say three wide, sometimes four wide, depending on a restart when sometimes you all get Sometimes five crazy. wide there. Take us, take us for a lap around that place. That place is fast. Fontana is fast, and uh, it's one of those places where the tires wear. The surface is the older generation asphalt, so it's it's got a lot of grittiness to it. And, and, you know, I think the best way is if you walk out to your road or street that you live on, don't walk into it. Just walk out and stand, like, 20 feet back from it. You can see the how grainy it can be sometimes mm -hmm. on some of these roads that uh, they get paved and maybe are 10, 15 years old. And, and that's what the Fontana track looks like. A lot of these new surfaces are putting down more of a synthetic asphalt that, that's holding its its shape and it's staying smoother and, and the, the marbles within it are staying together better. Uh, Fontana is wore out. It's slippery. The seams, you know, as you go into turn one, you can see four definitive seams of mm -hmm. where the paver ran next to itself. And they had to put tar down. As that stuff separates, sometimes they put the tar down in those seams, and uh, that that affects the race cars greatly. So we're going to battle. We're going to battle grip all weekend long. Uh, the cars are going to slow down. We'll go from you know run one lap time to being a second and a half, two seconds slower at the end of a run because of the tire fall off there. The bottom works on restarts, but it seems like the preferred line always ends up being up to the top wow. of that racetrack. Now every time we go there, it works itself higher and higher. We're, we rim ride around there. Why is that? Because of the surface and because of the simple fact that we don't have to turn the wheels much up there, 
Um, it, it just allows us to keep the momentum wound up. With the gear rule that we have with the Xfinity cars, it also chokes them off, and, and sometimes as, as the pace slows down that much, we can't get the RPM mm -hmm. to where the motors are operating at, at optimal performance, where the motor guys want to see them operating at. So that's just a way that we can find speed and, and Keep them wound up. Keep them wound up, yeah. You know, the cup cars, when, and, and it'll be interesting to see how the cup cars race there this year compared to last year because they've taken 115 horsepower away from those guys as well. Um, but in years past, when you had the, the big motors, you could still make the bottom work, and, and the top necessarily wasn't always the preferred line. Mm -hmm. um, but, but as that happens, we're going to see it working itself more and more up for the, for the Xfinity cars this weekend in particular. And, uh, and it's, uh, it's, as I said, it's slick. You want to you wanna straddle the seams. You want to stay away from them. Um, you're going to eventually get the top groove to where it's worked in so much to where the rubber actually makes the grip start to go away up there. And you might see guys start moving back down and searching for areas where we have not put as much rubber down on the racetrack. So you'll move around all day long. It's rough. <laughs> you can use the apron in three and four. Everything I'm saying is all positives yes. because it gives us options. options. It lets us move around. And, and as drivers, and you love options. Absolutely. There's that's tracks you go to that there is no option. As drivers, and you have options on the track, that's the best thing ever. And, and places like Fontana, Texas, Homestead, you know, these places have, have options, and they've got that surface that we all like so much and, and look forward to racing on. Well, Regan, good luck this weekend. Tell you I, what. Looking forward to it. I think, uh, you know, Junior Motorsports as a whole is off to a strong start this year, and uh, we're getting in, getting into the meat of the schedule here in a couple mm -hmm. weeks. So obviously, we got a two-week two break off. after California, and, and I was talking to the guys in the shop when I got here this morning, and that's, that's not always a bad thing. It gives them the opportunity to, to sit back and, and assess where we're at, what mm -hmm. we need to be working on, what's going to be priority as we get further into the year. So, um, you know, as much as you, you like getting the momentum and just like going with it and, and keep it digging, uh, sometimes you you got to have those those opportunities to sit back and take a breath. And uh, after that, we start a lot of stretches of racing, and I think over the next probably 20 weeks we only have like one week off or mm -hmm. something like that. So uh, Yeah, and those guys certainly need, to, need a breath because we, we were one of the few teams that actually came back. A lot of teams stayed out on the West Coast. We actually sent our haulers back and forth and back and forth. So and when those haulers get here, you know, from Phoenix, those guys have to turn around and try to get the cars for California ready and loaded. We and might need door. to have a hauler driver on the show next week. Actually, they probably won't be here for about four days because they're going to sleep for four straight days. Right. But, you know, there's something to be said about what, what our drivers at, at this place in particular mm -hmm. did uh, over the past three weeks here. And, and, you know, I'm sure they're well on their way to California. They're probably somewhere in Texas or something like that right now as we speak. They left um, yesterday morning. Actually, they they might, yeah, they might be further than that then. But uh, the those guys have, have underappreciated job. Absolutely. And they have put some hours in. And, uh, you know, we appreciate everything that they do. Um, you know, it keeps this whole thing running, uh, whether it's whether it's our guys, whether it's the guys that get the, the pits, pit boxes and stuff like that to mm -hmm. the track or whatnot. Uh, they, they log some miles. Yeah, there's a lot of um, unknowns in the sport in terms of what people see uh, on TV and what they see, what they don't see behind the scenes. Absolutely. And I will tell you firsthand that uh, without the truck drivers doing what they do, they are kind of the foundation to everything that begins at the weekend. And then we got PR executives that don't even travel. Uh, I wouldn't say executive defines me. You told me you had an executive role. You now. tell me I have an executive role. I never told you that. You're buying into it, though. <laughs> uh, my, my role is manager, not executive. I like, like the word executive better. Kelly, what do you think? Kelly thing? Earnhardt Miller is an executive. Okay, fair enough. That's fair enough. Thank yeah. you. I know where I stand. You're a manager. <laughs> Managers get drivers now. First name has to drive you around. Thanks, first name. Are you driving him to lunch, first name? Uh, If he wants to. Does he actually buy your lunch? No, we've never lunch. eaten lunch together. We haven't. We have quite a team building atmosphere. I think right you guys now. need to have, uh, you know, perhaps you, you, you should buy, buy he lunch flies. <laughs>
<laughs> you should bring us lunch next time, next week. That would be nice. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. That'd be I'll nice. tell you what. We'll go win California, and uh, and uh, we'll get lunch brought in. And you are in the Suave Men car this weekend, so you have a little bit of a different paint scheme for everyone to look at. Uh, Chase Elliott, number nine Napa Auto Parts car, as always. And we've got Harvick back from TaxSlayer.com this weekend. And Harvick, Harvick made a go of it last year. He did. He did. I feel like he's going to be, uh, again, this weekend, him and the 22 car, probably the mm -hmm. two cars to beat. And, uh, you know, those guys are – the 22 car has been fast everywhere. Harvick is just flat-out fast at Phoenix, Atlanta, and California. You know you're going to have to contend with him if you want to win the race. So, uh, you know, we look for them to them to have a strong weekend. Chase, obviously, is having a, a good year, a good start mm -hmm. to his year. And, uh, you know, we'll look to look to make sure the seven car beats all those guys. But uh, if, if we one, don't – One, two, three. That's how we'll one, do it. Two, one, two, three. three. Yeah, and I'd, I'd be okay with the seven being the one of, the, I, of that. I figured you would be. Combo. Y'all can catch the race on Saturday, this Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern time on Fox Sports 1. I, MRN Radio will have the broadcast. Regan, I think we're going to let you go because I think you have a little baby to get home to and some sleep to catch up on. I, both of which I can do a good job at, uh, at doing today. And I thank him for not, not bringing up what you claim to bring up. And since we're on our way out, you don't have time anymore. I don't, but we will address your, your Cheetos problem one day. I don't have a problem. It's, you know, it's just messy, but I digress. All right, thanks everyone. thanks, everyone, for joining us this week, and uh, we'll have a new podcast up for you next week, too. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. 